hard to know where to start. I don't want to, and for those of you that will go to the play, and I hope many of you do go, I don't want to uh, use some of the lines that uh, are in the play, but there's three hours of material outside the play that you just can't fit, fit in. I wrote it because I learned to love the man, and he was so incredibly bright in terms of the way he saw life, teaching life lessons, a street genius, and things that I just didn't see. He taught me, in fact, even this morning, there's hardly a day goes by I don't think I have. Because he taught me something that, you know, life reminds me. Today at the Fister Hotel, I get up, I go in to get a coffee, and I looked, because uh, Rich Majerus, when he stays there, always stays by the window. And I looked to see, you know, obviously Majerus is coaching St. Louis, so he wouldn't be there. Uh, but I looked at the window, and I thought, that's what happened. one of the things Al taught me. Do you want to go to, you know, McDonald's restaurant and sit in the middle of the place? Sit by a window. Who knows what's going to go by? Something really important could happen, and you're going to miss it. Why would you even? It doesn't make any difference if no one's sitting at the window. Why don't you sit there? Why would you want to sit in the middle of the room? One of those little pieces of. Uh, we were talking today about, you know, as he was uh, dying, he told about visiting his mother, who was dying back when he was healthy, was dying in, in Long Island, in New York. And he said, I'd go in. She'd be sitting in her comfortable old chair. Uh, because she used to say when we were kids, the only three things you need in life, a comfortable chair, a good mattress, and a nice box, <laughs> a refrigerator. Uh, and she'd be talking, and he said, I'd go in and I'd lie on the bed next to her, and she'd talk and talk. I'd fall asleep. And he said, I wouldn't be in root, I'd wake up, she's still talking. <laughs> and he said, I was giving her the only thing you can give to an old person. They don't want a sweater. They don't want candy. They don't want uh, flowers. They want time. They want time. And I was giving her what she wanted, time. And there's another beautiful lesson for all of us, for the older people in your life. Uh, maybe it's a grandparent. Give them time. Sometimes they don't let you go. <laughs> you have to go to sleep, and, but they're still talking. And that's, uh, but but uh, a nice lesson there. Um, can I tell a funny story about Al? Yes. He was cheap. <laughs> he, uh, and Billy Packer was cheaper. <laughs> so we had a book with two guys who had uh, long pockets and real short hands. They never got <laughs> So I was their benefactor most of the time. And if they could ever scheme a way to make a buck, well, then they're, they're, they're out of the game. So when we came to New York for any game, St. John's, whatever, uh, the expense to be in a hotel for NBC was you know, probably even with a with a deal was uh, you know maybe three hundred four hundred dollars a night. So we're coming in for three nights, and and Al and Billy go to the management. They say, hey, yeah, that means uh, nine hundred bucks for Billy and nine hundred for me, eighteen hundred dollars. Why don't you give us the eighteen hundred dollars and we'll stay where we want to stay? Well, they they got the money. They, they all worked it out. They got the 1800 and they stayed in some no-tell motel way out, out in the suburbs of New York. They're in this hotel, and it's got twin, same room, by the way. <laughs> so they're in twin beds, and uh, Al had uh, another son, Robbie, who was working on some of the TV. Uh, he was producing some TV halftime events for him. So Robbie is there, too. So they've got three people in this one room with twin beds, and Robbie wants to go out on the night, on, in, back into New York. So Al and Bill uh, are retiring. Uh, Billy gets on, on one bed, and I guess what, what was going to happen was Robbie was going to sleep on the other bed because Al loved nothing more than to sleep on a cold floor like the tiles in a bathroom. He loved that, and he always slept on his back. And in those days, he had one of these big machines that played ocean sounds and, and birds and uh, pasture sounds. And he put that thing on, and he'd lie down, 
on a cold, hard floor, and that's how he liked to sleep. No pillow, just you know, that crazy owl. Well, this is a small, like a, a, a typical small motel room where you open the door, the bathroom's right there on the right, and then immediately you're in the room, there's two twin beds. So Al, listening to his machine, falls asleep. Billy in his gibbies has fallen asleep on his bed, and, and they, oh, they realized that Robbie, when he left, didn't have his room key. They didn't want to be awakened, so they left the room door ajar, not the enclosure. Process the middle, they well, you know what's going to happen. The door is gently starts swinging open, swings open. Well, about one in the morning, Robbie hasn't come back, and the night watchman's making his rounds. And he looks into the room, and he sees one guy with no clothes on in the bath, and another on the bed. He thinks he's got a double murder. <laughs> and uh, looks in, and, and he, at Al, he says, What's going on here? And Al raises up, and he says, We're waiting for Robbie. <laughs> Save the money, made fifteen hundred on there. Uh, I could go on and on. But I hope you'll come to the, the show. He was the most unforgettable character I've ever met. No one in second place. And that's why when he died, I started I wanted to remember the many life lessons he taught me and I started uh, writing and that would keep me up later and later and he, he's still haunting me. I mean he, he won't let me go. He's still out there and watch out if you see a moth. He will come back as a moth, and that's another whole story that Phyllis knows. Uh, and, and you don't know the other story. He came back as a moth at Beaumont Abbey, too. Uh, it's uh, how, how, how fortunate. You know, and he, you know, he didn't, I didn't like him at first. Uh, he didn't care at first. <laughs> uh, and then he let me come into his life and trusted me. And, and as I said with it being today at lunch, you know, that uh, his final long interview that he gave with me for NBC, and it was, he was dying. Uh, when he finished, he finally cut it off and he said, I can't do anymore. He, he got into his grandchildren and, and, and he started to get weepy and he said, I can't do it anymore. Uh, but uh, this was for my grandkids. Uh, he wanted them to know him perhaps better. And you know, at the time I didn't think of it. I just thought this was going to be a nice interview and we'd do little pieces of it on NBC. He really, I, I'm convinced he knew I'd do something. He knew that I would do something that would keep him alive for his grandchildren. And Cotter Smith, who is from Milwaukee, and Phyllis Ravel was the one who, not for her, maybe all of this wouldn't have happened. She, and Father Wilde said, here's the script about Al McGuire, we ought to do it. Poor Phyllis got this, and she had the order to do something with it. And she knew Cotter Smith, and what a terrific actor, and he's coming back to Milwaukee to play the role of Al McGuire. And, you know, again, it's all those wonderful pieces that fit, and I'm convinced Al had something to do with it. He, he knew that we'd all uh, put it together. And so it's a joy for me to come back here to Marquette. I feel an association. I did the games way, way back when most of you weren't born. I came, uh, I was honored that Father Wilde asked me to do the commencement here three years ago. Uh, I'm able to come back and, and see the name and the statue of Al McGuire. It's nice to know the statue's still indoors. He, he was fearful that they're going to have the statue of him outside. He didn't want the pigeons to poop on him. <laughs> but it's in there where it belongs. And, uh, uh, hail to Marquette and hail to Al McGuire.